Today we have a very special guest, Emily Shine, who is a kinesiologist and a human design teacher. So welcome to today's show, Emily. Thank you for having me. No worries. How are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Yeah, amazing. Um, Before we get started, I would love to ask you what you are grateful for today and start off the show with some gratitude. I would say today I feel particularly grateful to have uh, really good health. I know that that's not, that's a, you know, a privilege that not all of us get to have and um, being able to wake up and go for a walk and run my kids around and have all the energy to do that. I'm extremely grateful for that. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I love that. Thank you. So, To get started, I would love for you to share what your story is, um, where you have come from and where you are now, just to kick things off. Oh, goodness. Okay. You can can give us the short version. (laughs) Um, All right. So uh, my background is pretty diverse in different forms of metaphysical and holistic health, as mm-hmm. well as having a little bit of um, Western medicine background as well. So uh, growing up, I came from a lot of diversity and I had a lot of uh, trauma and my own health problems because of that. And modern medicine was not, um, it's, it wasn't really coming to the party with some of the conditions that I was suffering from, things like uh, food intolerances, which at the time weren't really recognized through modern medicine, um, gut health disruption, uh, depression, debilitating anxiety disorders, uh, hormonal imbalances, gosh, so many things. And then that led to things like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. And these are just kind of, these are very systemic issues that are affecting a lot of people um, mm. even today. And uh, modern medicine just doesn't really have too many options or too many things that they can do to help us in these sort of less acute conditions. Um so my, uh, my journey kind of led me down the road of looking outside the box and mm-hmm. that led me into to kinesiology. Actually, I met someone who was a kinesiologist who said, oh, I can help you with your anxiety. Why don't you come and try this kinesiology? And I was like, oh, that sounds really woo-woo and I'm not sure if it's, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's really going to, um, you know, to give some context, I was also a, um, I was managing, I've been managing pharmacies since I was like, 17 so I was very deep into that as as well and I had a really um I've always had a knack for health I've it's I seem to be a sponge for um that specific type of information um so when when I when I had this present to me uh this lady particularly did say you know I'm not going to charge you just come and try it and it was it wasn't like a magic pill. It's not like I walked out going, oh, I'm cured of my debilitating anxiety <laughs> disorder that I've been suffering with since I was 16. Um, but it was the first thing that I had tried that actually felt like it had gotten under something. And mm. uh, that was after I tried all the conventional things, obviously. Um, and I was very, very impressed by the way that it 
kind of looked at the body from a holistic perspective and started to unravel these things that had happened in my childhood, which were really traumatic. And I hadn't even told the kinesiologist about this. This is just her being able to muscle test my body and saying, you know, at this age, this is the emotion that's coming up. You know, what kind of, you know, what does that relate to? And it was the exact age that something really big had happened. And I was incredibly impressed at the power that, was given to my body to tell mm. the practitioner what was actually going on. Yep. And I think we can all from any health perspective that we look at, we can all look at the data, we can look at the statistics, we can look at research and we can make a hypothesis based on our research as to what we believe would be best for the body. Mm-hmm. But when we start to give the power back to the body and ask the body directly, it's it's, it's just feels more aligned for me because Mm -hmm. we're so very different and we have such different constitutions so this kind of birthed the 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 passion for me when it came to looking at each individual person as an individual with a very different constitution and wanting to figure out ways to support people on an individual basis and that's I guess eventually what led me to human design as well because human design is very much a system that maps out the individualistic energetic systems of each person and mm. it shows how we're so so very different and how one thing might be you know amazing for one person and then the person right next to you might find that completely derailing if they tried to implement it into their lives so um I think I'm a, a product of of uh not fitting inside the lines when it comes to my own issues and finding ways outside of the lines that helped me and wanting to provide that for other people so that's certainly a very, very cut, like yep. cut and paste part of my story. But that's, <laughs> that I would say would be the reason why I am here today. And I've been uh, studying metaphysical sciences for the better part of 13 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just love it. I can't get enough information about the body on a, on a holistic level. Yeah, that's awesome. And what I love is, you know, I think it's really empowering for all of us to to really learn how our body communicates to us and understanding that language of the body so what I love that you've come from that western medicine you know trial and error and then moving into something where you're understanding more the language of your body which I think that a lot of people are waking up to and they're learning more about or wanting to learn more about because a lot of things aren't working. And I do believe in blending Western medicine and, you know, and metaphysical and all of that. I I believe it all has a place, but I think the more um, awareness we have on our metaphysical state and, and our being and, and understanding that it all works together, then the more empowered we can all be, and understand what our body is really trying to tell us. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Yeah, I um, agree. Yeah. I agree with the, the needing to blend it. I think it's really naive to expect that we can fix everything just with Western medicine alone, mm-hmm. but it's equally naive to think that we can fix everything just with holistic medicine or, or complementary medicine yeah. as well. We need to be realistic about coming to our bodies with, you know, if someone breaks their arm, they don't need a kinesiologist. They need yes. someone to... <laughs> 
do I need a doctor? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, I was I was personally saved by Western medicine. You know, I had yeah. to be resuscitated and and all the things. So I absolutely. do believe that it all has yeah. its place. But yeah. today we're going to be talking about human design. So yeah. I'm really excited to dive into this topic today. But I would love to know first. And for myself, but then also for other listeners, is what is human design? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'm so excited. This is my favorite topic to speak about. It's <laughs> very, very, very interesting and it's very, very, very um, intricate. So we'll try and uh, really cover some basics today, mm-hmm. but just also understanding that this is such a diverse topic and this yep. is kind of like something that people can study for a lifetime, yep. a lifetime and still be finding out more and more things about it. So if any of you, if any of the listeners out there are getting a little confused about what, how much <laughs> of this they need to know, just surrender. There is a lot to know. <laughs> <laughs> and we can always have you back again if, if there's a you know request for people to learn more and if they love what's being put on today, we can definitely do this again and go deeper into that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, human design is essentially a system that combines your astrological makeup. So similar to if you've ever had a natal chart done through your astrology. Mm -hmm. So it combines that astrological makeup with other components from other metaphysical systems, such as the Kabbalah tree of life, the Chinese I Ching and uh, the chakra systems. So essentially what we can do is based on when you were born, we can, and where you were born and what time you were born, we can calculate what we call the body graph. And that shows us uh, a little template or a diagram of a human body that's then split into nine different centers, which actually represent the chakra system. So most of us would recognize the chakra system as being seven so seven main chakras but in the human design system it's actually cut into nine and the reason why it is cut into nine is that Ra Uruhu the guy who actually channeled all of this um, said that uh, he got the message that we have moved into or ascended into being a nine nine main centered being Mm -hmm. there's actually hundreds and hundreds of chakras in the in the body just Mm. as a disclaimer but we recognize the seven main ones So he sees us as being more of a nine-centered being because we have evolved, of course. Like we've evolved so much and we have much more need and capacity to, um, you know, hold data and energy than what we did when we were in our primitive years. Mm. So there is the the crown, the third eye or the ajna, which it's called in Mm -hmm. um, human design, the throat, uh, the solar plexus, the heart, the root and the sacral, just like we would all you know, know is the seven chakras, but there's also another one called the G center or what we also refer to as the identity center and the splenic center. And so we look at these centers and in some people we will have what we call a defined center. So the defined center means that they have consistent energy going to this center or an undefined center, which means the energy there is inconsistent. And each of these different uh, centers means something different. Um, and will give you different personality traits and attributes. There is also five main energy types as a whole, which I'm going to talk about in a minute because that's mm-hmm. your basics. Yep. And there's the 64 gates, which are based on the 64 uh, Chinese I Ching. So the gates will, again, if they're defined, you have consistent energy to these gates, which means that these particular energetic traits or personality traits are very alive in you all of the time. 
Um, and then if it's undefined, it means that it's not a consistent energy to that particular trait, but it's something that you definitely can tap into if you are in the auric field of somebody else who has definition in that gate. So it actually talks about how we talk to each other through our auric fields, which is really, really cool. The other part of it when we get into the really complicated stuff is that when the planets move, they create things called neutrinos, which actually interact with our molecular structure. So because of that, we can have specific gates light up in our charts that may not be normally lit up in our charts based on, on transits, based on planetary mm. movements and the moon, which is why. And, and so sometimes if there's a specific gate that's being lit up by a transit, it might be one that you already have in your chart. And if it's one that you've already got in your chart, then you're not likely to feel too much effects of this particular transit because mm. you're used to that energy. You have it all the time. Whereas if it's something that's foreign to you and it lights up for you, you might feel quite discombobulated or you might feel, um, you know, whatever that. that activated. Is actually, yeah, activated. Mm. It might be a good thing as well. It doesn't always have to be a negative yeah. thing. <laughs> but you might be feeling the intensity or the activation of that transit a bit more heavy because it's not consistent in your chart all the time. So we can look oh. at so many things with human design and we can actually um, get into things like transits and actually have somewhat of a prediction, not like future telling, but more so from a from a energetic um, forecasting point of view yeah. of when the best time to plan things would be because we would know, okay, well, at this time we're going to have this transiting, which is going to give us heaps more energy. So that might be a time for us to do something really like launch a, launch a program or um, do a marathon or whatever it is that you're hoping to do. But during this time, you're probably going to feel very emotional. So that's probably not the best time to be launching a big, you know, um, networking event or something like that. So it's quite cool. Okay, so were you saying that along with the planetary shifts, um, how you can be activated or or whatever, can that also happen between when you have interactions with people? Is that what you were saying before? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yep. Okay. And I want to give an example of this. So um, the biggest thing with human design, and again, it's so diverse and so complicated, it's hard to know where to start. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing with human design is knowing your energy type knowing your strategy and knowing your authority. So your energy type will dictate your strategy because each of the different energy types have a different strategy, which I'll talk about in a moment. Mm -hmm. And your authority can change depending on who you are and what your authority is lit up like in your chart. Mm. So I'm going to explain what being an emotional authority is like, because this is how I can use an example of how it can actually change when you're in someone's aura. So if, if someone is an emotional authority, it means they have definition in their solar plexus, which if you're looking at a human body graph, which if anybody wants to play along at home then you can go to www.mybodygraph.com or myhumandesign.com either one of those will do and generate a free chart for yourself so you can put that in the show notes as well so people can reference that so they might want to have their chart in front of them for this talk and then they will have a bit bit of um, understanding as to sort of how this might be playing out for them awesome so if they are an emotional authority, it will actually say in the little blurbs that come with the charts whether your authority is emotional. But if you want to find this on the chart, it means that there's a little triangle wedge on the right-hand side of the chart. Um, and that little triangle on the on the right, right-hand side of the chart is called the solar plexus. So if that's defined, that means that you are an emotional being. 
If it is undefined, that means that you are non-emotional. Now, newbies to human design, when they hear this, are like, what? I'm not (laughs) non-emotional because the non-emotional is actually presented being the most dramatic most of the time. So we are the ones that are the most sort of like, whoa, we we go on a bit of a roller coaster ride with our emotions. But I'm going to tell you why. So an emotional authority, somebody who is defined in this area, and this is why human design is amazing for relationships. My partner is a defined solar plexus. So he is an emotional being. So they actually have their own emotional waves. So whatever you're defined in your chart, you're actually emitting that energy outwards to the world. So when he walks in, if he's had a bad day of work or he's just not feeling it, he will be in what we call the low of the emotional wave. So he will just be feeling a bit crap, basically. And he'll walk in and he might feel, you know, he's okay with it. You know, like he, this is an emotional authority. They go through their own emotional ways. Sometimes they feel really good. Sometimes they just don't feel very good at all. And there's no real reason for it. It's just going through the motions and going through the emotional wave. It's not dramatic. It's not necessarily anything to call home for. It's fine. They just need a bit of time and space and they'll ride the wave back up. But what happens if you are non-emotional, so you have an undefined solar plexus, so that little triangle is white or empty, is that when somebody who's in that lull of their emotional wave, who is defined, walks into your aura, you actually absorb their emotions, amplify their emotions and throw their emotions back at them. So Yeah. So if my partner walked in the door and he was in that low vibrational wave, I would feel that 10 times worse than what he's, what he's actually feeling it. And I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Come on, let's talk about it. We need to fix this. I know there's something wrong. Why aren't you telling me? Come on, come on. Like I'm desperate to shift this feeling because I've gone from my place of neutrality, which is what non-emotionals are most of the time when they're not presented with somebody else around them they will be in a space of neutral neutrality but as soon as they're subjected to someone who's really really happy they'll start to feel elated when they're they're subjected to someone who's feeling a bit low they'll start to feel this like frustration or intensity or something will bubble in them and it will feel really uncomfortable Mm. because we're like absorbing that um that emotion that's being put off by the defined solar plexus so that's, um, that's one of the ways that we can look at a authority if you're an emotional authority. The other thing about if you are an emotional authority, our authorities is where we make our decisions from. So anyone with an emotional authority should always give themselves time to make their decision because essentially what they're going to do is they're going to ride their emotional wave. So if they make a decision from a place of like being high in their emotional wave, they might be like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Yes, straight away. And then they'll ride that emotional wave down again and they'll go, oh, no, what did I do? I don't think I actually really want to do that. Mm. And vice versa. If they say no to something and then they'll ride the wave back up and go, oh, I missed out on a really good opportunity. <laughs> so the, the advice for an emotional authority is to say, that's really interesting. When do you need to know by? And that actually gives you a little bit of time to sit with that decision, ride your emotional wave, go through the yes, no's and actually come to a place of, no, I actually really do want to do that. I'm just riding my, my wave around it. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's empowering as well for, you know, even just for example, in relationships, like the example you used, just to know, you know, that that might be happening instead of, you know, sometimes you can just straight up get into some kind of argument, for example, because you're Absolutely. Not understanding. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome to know that and it's really interesting. Yeah, so knowing that about 
him and and I'm what we call a sacral authority. So uh, my decisions come from my sacral. Uh, So knowing this about him, when he walks in, if he's in that space and I'm absorbing his um, his emotional wave, I'll just check in with him now. I'll identify that it's most likely not mine and that mm. I was absolutely fine before he walked in the door. But as soon as he walked in the door, I'm starting to feel aggravated or agitated or frustrated or whatever I'm feeling. And I'll check in with him. I'll say, are you okay? Do you need anything? Can I support you in any way? Mm. And if he says no, I will actually remove myself from the room. I'll go into another room or I'll go for a so walk good. or something mm. like that and just give him time to, you know, process, to yep. be in his stuff and not subject myself to a space where I'm potentially going to make things worse for him by sort of sitting there and going, I'm really agitated by your mood. Why are you being like this? <laughs> Love it. So it's going from a place of like understanding and responding versus uh, reacting <laughs> straight away. So yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. And it works with the decisions as well. Uh, being a sacral authority, anyone who has a sacral authority is going to have definition in their sacral which is the um the second square from the bottom so on your chart so and it will be orange if that's colored in then you have a definition in your sacral that automatically makes you a generator type as well which we'll talk about in a sec yes. um and if you don't have definition in your solar plexus but you do have definition in your um in your sacral then you are a sacral authority so if you have the definition in your solar plexus and the definition in your sacral then you're still an emotional authority so okay. That one kind of trumps it. Um, But if you have the definition in your sacral, so it's colored in, it's orange, and your little triangle on the right, the solar plexus is empty, you're a sacral authority. And a sacral authority makes their decisions from their gut. So they don't always have to think things Mm. through very much. They're like, I just know that this is right, and I'm just going to go with it. Whereas the emotional authority is like, oh, yeah, I can feel this in my gut too, but I just need to sit with it for a bit. Like, Mm. I really need to think about this. And in a relationship, that can be frustrating too because he would he used to sort of feel really frustrated or triggered by me not thinking things through and I equally used to get frustrated and triggered at him having to take so long to make a decision <laughs> and now we know it's our authorities we're actually giving each other permission to do that so good yeah he's sort of like she knows that this is right for her and I don't need to question her on that because she knows it, it, it's it's a direct line to her gut she knows that and when he's taking ages I'm like he needs it he's riding his emotional wave. So it's this beautiful permission Mm. piece and being able to recognize each other's differences and knowing that that's right for you, but it's not right for me. So what happens in relationships is sometimes we find out what's right for us. And then we try to inadvertently either directly or indirectly change that other person to do things the way that we do it. And it's not right for them. So if they actually did it the way that you're doing it and they're different to you, that's going to go really sideways for them, which in Mm -hmm. turn will affect you badly as well. Mm. So, Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is blowing my mind, but I think everybody should be going onto that site and checking and just understanding what they are, what their partner is. And yeah, super fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to know now what are the types of human design that, we may all fall under okay of course so there are five main energy types and these are very much the tip of the iceberg um so you know if you're if you're listening to this and there's parts of this that you really resonate with and other parts that you don't resonate with please don't 
wash the floor with human design, it's really important that at least once everyone gets like a professional human design done Mm. because there are so many components to a chart and they all speak to each other. So there can be little bits that that sort of contradict each other. And when you get somebody to look at your chart specifically, then it actually makes a lot more sense. But the five main energy types are... 35% are what we call pure generators and 35% are what we call manifesting generators. So that makes up 70% of the world of what we call generator types. So that's anyone who has that definition in their sacral. So anyone who has a colored in uh, uh, sacral chakra, that is a generator type. So they're either a manifesting generator or a generator and they make up 70% of the world. So if we were all to put out on a play together, then the generators would be the cast and the crew, the people doing the lighting, basically any of the people doing the work. A generator type will have the most consistent access to the sacral, which we in human design identify as being the strongest motor in the body. So we have the most energy of all of the types. We're the mm-hmm. only type that is really designed to work nine to five jobs. Doesn't mean we have to work nine to five jobs, yep. of course. <laughs> <laughs> but it means that we could if we wanted to do that without burning ourselves out. Mm. Um, so uh, pure generators are quite consistent with their energy. So it's the same amount of energy pretty much every single day that they are bringing to the table. And if they are having a slump, It can be called what we call a generator slump. And the most important thing for a generator who is low in energy is to look at your job, what you do for a living. Is it overwhelming you? Is it inspiring you? Do you love it? Do you get enough like rest in between? Because the thing with a generator is that we are powered by what we do for work. So what we do for work is very, very, very important to us. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm a generator, I'm super tired. Think about what you're doing for work and, it, and you might even still like your job, but it might be that you're, you're having an undefined face chakra, for, for instance, and you've got a lot of pressure with your job and you're not um, maintaining that work-life balance and mm. therefore it's draining you. So there's a, a few different components, but generally generators should have quite a bit of energy. We see a lot of personal trainers with generators. Um, you know, the, we're the ones that can, can kind of like really capacitate a lot of energy throughout the day. Manifesting generators are still a generator type, but they're kind of like what I like to call the ADHD of the energy world. So we, we like to do a million things at once. So we are also known as the time benders. We basically, and I'm saying we because I am a manifesting generator. So we can do multiple things at once, multiple things during the day. And, and we're kind of the energy types that people say things like, how did you get all that done today? Or can't you just focus on one thing at a time? Or can't you just make a decision on what you want to do? Like, instead of doing all these things at once. Um, so our, our energy is in, incredibly intense, but it also goes on a little bit more of a wave than what the pure generators do. So we might push every inch of energy out of our body when we're in our creative flow, and then we'll kind of peel back and go into a little bit of a regeneration period. Oh, that's where, so me, yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, where we just need to recalibrate and restore our energy a little bit, need a little bit of rest, and the manifestors will need this as well, which I'll talk about in a minute. But the Mm -hmm. manifesting generators uh, 
they're a hybrid of a generator and a manifestor. So they also have this wave and it's just not quite as intense as the manifestor wave. Um, so, and our digestion also goes on that wave. So when we're in our flow creatively and we're doing, 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 we can sometimes not get very hungry or forget to eat yes. or not eat too much. But when we're regenerating, we're like, we need to eat all the food, all yeah. of the food. <laughs> so we're like, you know, beating ourselves up about the fact that we're sitting on the couch, like doing oh. nothing and eating like mountains of food. But that's the manifesting generator energy wave. Mm. So the manifesting generator can be, they say that we're the fastest in the universe. So it's very hard for people to keep up with a manifesting generator sometimes um, because we are just go, 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 go all the time. Mm. So that's a manifesting generator. And what makes you a manifesting generator to get a little more technical is that you have a defined throat center and there's a connection from your throat center to one of the motors in the design chart. So that's how okay. we can tell. So if you are, so that's the, that's the generator type mm -hmm. and there's more to talk about with those, but that's kind of like your little like taste of what the yep. two, two types are. <laughs> The next type that I would talk about would be your projectors. So I always kind of forget the exact amount, but I'm pretty sure it's around that 30%-ish um, space for projectors. They're the second most common, but they're still a lot rarer than the generator types. Um, and the projectors, if we were to put on our show and the generators were doing all the sort of like the, the crew and the lighting and all the rest of it, the projectors would be the directors of the show. So as a projector if you're looking at your chart at home and you're finding that you're a projector you do not have access to that sacral motor energy but what you do have is a vast amount of wisdom so you're not really designed to be a nine-to-five worker and you might have found that you burn out quite a lot especially if you've been pushing yourself to work a nine-to-five job now, disclaimer here, there are actually three different types of projectors. And if you're an energy projector, you might be listening to this going, this is so untrue. I've got plenty of energy. But what that means is that you've got a defined space center. And that is kind of like taking over the job of the sacral, which means you'll feel like you have access to that energy, but you're actually more susceptible to burn out because you don't have this little like off switch in your body that's saying, hey, you need to rest, you need to stop mm. until it's kind of too late and you're like on the floor for like three days just like sleeping. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so energy projectors, they miss the cue, whereas uh, sometimes if they don't already, you know, know about their patterns, mm -hmm. they can sometimes miss the cue. The mental projectors or the traditional projectors, they are more aware of their energy, like running out after, a, you know, a certain amount of work. Yeah. I work with a lot of projectors and I see this very clearly that the ones who know their projectors are really good at going, okay, I'm done now. I need to have some rest. Yeah. And that's all it is about, you know, being a projector is that you've got so much wisdom to offer the world. Don't waste your energy on people who are not ready to hear that wisdom. Don't waste your energy on situations that are not going to value you because it's, you don't have an infinite amount of energy. Mm. It's kind of like it teeters off. So as the director, they kind of take a more sort of passive approach to the project, but they interject when they can see that we could do something much more efficiently and much more effectively. Yeah. So that's kind of a projector's job is to see the world through a different lens and figure out better ways and more effective ways of doing things, come in and consult, be able to rearrange things and then pop back out and go and have a bit of a, a rest and regenerate their bodies. Mm. So I, I should talk about the strategies with the types as well. So the strategy for generator types is to respond 
respond. So when we are presented with something in the world, we really, really um, thrive when we have something to respond to. So my example for this is as a generator type myself, if I decided I wanted to join, uh, if I decided I wanted to create an ice cream shop, I was like, okay, I want to, I want to start an ice cream business. Deciding where I need to put that ice cream business would be very difficult unless I had something to respond to. So I could have it at Burley, I could have it at Rabina, I could have it over there, I could have it over there. Oh, there's so many choices and I don't know where the best place to put it is. But the moment you're walking down the street and you hear someone go, God, I wish there was an ice cream shop here, bang, respond. I know what to do now because I have something that's requiring my response mm. in the world. It's the same if you have lots of knowledge on a topic, for instance, um, but then you get up in the morning and you're like trying to post on Instagram. You're like, I have no idea what to say. I have no knowledge. (laughs) But then somebody says, hey, can you talk about human design? You're like, bang, I can respond to that. So we are really here to look for something to respond to. So wait for that cue, either that internal cue within us that goes, now's the right time or an external cue, like either someone directly saying, hey, can I have or can you do? Or it's like a sign from the universe that says like, oh, I feel like I need to go on a holiday. I don't know if now's the right time. But then you get home and there's a postcard in your letterbox that says yeah. half price holidays. <laughs> Bang, we respond. Okay, so cool. That's the strategy of a, of a generator type. The strategy of a projector is to wait for an invitation or wait for a recognition. And this is a bit tricky because the projectors out there might be going, oh, God, I have to wait until somebody asks me to speak. Not at all. An invitation can be a nonverbal invitation. So if you're having a conversation with someone and you want to offer some wisdom to them, we want to look for your invitation. So it's either a direct invitation where they've asked for your opinion or they've asked for your help or they're, they're showing nonverbal invitations. So they're very attentive. They're giving you eye contact. They're leaning into you. You can see that they're open and they're receptive to hearing what you have to say, hearing your wisdom. Because the problem with a projector is that sometimes there's, there's a potential to give advice where it's not wanted, needed, or invited, and mm. that can cause people to become defensive, like I, do, I didn't ask for your opinion yep. sort of issue. Yeah. Or you offer your wisdom and it's really, really great advice, but the person's not ready to hear it, and so it just completely goes out the window and it's not absorbed and you've wasted all this time and energy being able to give this amazing wisdom to someone who's not, you know, not even going to use it. So it's mm-hmm. a waste of your time and energy. Mm. So that, that's why the strategy for a projector is wait for the invitation and that can spread out into life as well. So totally. you might have like three things that you're wanting to do with your energy, but one is like kind of presenting universally to you as, as really requiring more of your attention. Like this is the one that like this job here, is the one that people are screaming out for you to do. And that's your sort of more energetic invitation to go into that specific line of work because that's where you're going to be best utilised at the moment. So that's Mm. your waiting for your invitation. Then the next type is the manifestors. And we also call the manifestors the initiators. And I like this language better than manifestor because people hear manifestor and they're like, I want to be a manifestor. I want to be able to manifest. Yeah. (laughs) That's not the case. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's actually the initiator. So everyone, it doesn't matter what type you are, whether you're a manifestor, manifesting generator or anybody else, you can manifest. Absolutely. Not one yeah. person can manifest better than another. That's right. It's, it's an initiation. So what a manifestor or an initiator does is they create the energy for something to exist. 
So they kind of bring the, 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 the building blocks. Um, they bring the energy. They set the stage. They set the, st- the, the tone for something to be created. So if you're a manifester, then you can often have these wild ideas that are very out of the box and have come from absolutely nothing. And you're just like, let's do it this way. And then you want to implement something or initiate something. And then you might be beating yourself up about the fact that you never want to finish it. You want to drop it and move on and go do something else, which if you're a manifesting generator, you can have a little bit of as well. You can feel like I don't, like I start a lot of things and I don't finish them because I want to move on to the next thing. So this is where the hybrid of the manifesting generator is born. Yeah. So the, the manifester is bringing the energy to something, but they don't have the sacral definition. So they too will also run out of steam after they've kind of projected their energy outwards. So they have the creative flow and the creative flow of a, of a manifester is really intense. It's like what in human design, we call their aura closed and repelling when they're in their, when they're in their um, creative wave. So they basically go into this creative wave where it's like, everyone get out of my way. I need to get this done. Don't interrupt me. (laughs) And it's like, that is why their strategy is to inform. So it's not about asking for permission because the biggest thing about being a manifester is no one should ever, ever, ever try to tell a manifester what to do, ever. They do not receive that very well at all. (laughs) Do not tell a manifester what to do. Um, a manifester needs to inform the people around them about what they're about to do mm. so that those people can get out of their way and yes. not interrupt their creative Like a pre-warning. <laughs> yeah. So the story I tell about Read the label. <laughs> absolutely. The story I tell about manifestors is that there's a husband and a wife and they're deciding they're going to have an, a movie night and the husband's a manifester and the mm-hmm. wife is a generator. The generator wife goes and has a shower and the manifestor husband decides while he's doing the dishes, oh, it would be really lovely if I get some candles and some popcorn for this movie and surprise my wife when she gets out of the shower. I'm going to go do that. Bang. Enter creative wave. Enter idea initiation for bringing the energy he leaves so quickly that he leaves his phone on the bench just grabs his keys and goes the wife comes out of the shower and she's like where has he gone no one's he hasn't said anything to me the phone's left here I'm worried he comes back and she's a wreck and she's like what the hell like why (laughs) what where have you been what have you been doing why why did you leave your phone here she's a frantic mess she's not feeling happy about this beautiful gesture that the manifesto wanted to do because the <laughs> manifesto did not inform. The manifesto purely needed to say, babe, I'm going to the shops. I'll be back soon. And then there would have been no problem at all. Yep. The wife would have stayed out of the manifesto's way in order for the manifesto to be in his creative way. So if you are a manifesto and you're listening to this, you are very rare. It's only about 20% of the population. And you, you need to really just inform others of what your intentions are before you go into your creative way. So no one interrupts you. It's for your benefit. Yeah. Stay out of my way. Yeah. I am trying to get something done on, off the ground. And don't beat yourself up if you don't want to finish that. Uh, if we were putting in our play, the manifesto would have been the one that maybe came up with the idea to have the play in the first place. And they might have brought the script to us and said, here, create a play. I'm going to go now. And they leave. Yeah, <laughs> do it. They leave us to do the hard work. <laughs> oh, so, it, so funny. It, it's it, it'd be quite fun, I think, in some respects, to be a manifester because you could create, 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 but not yep. necessarily have to say things through um, yes. to the bitter end all the time. Cool. 
So the last type is called a reflector and they only make up 1% of the world. They're very, very rare. And basically what this means is that every single one of their centers is undefined. So they don't have any definition in their chart at all. And they are, as a result of that, as we were talking about with the emotional, the solar plexus, they are absorbing everything into every part of their, their body 24-7, amplifying it and reflecting it back to the world. So in our play, they would be the audience. So if we wanted to see if our play Ooh. was funny, we would be looking to the reflectors to see if they were, they were laughing. If we wanted to see if it was a sad play, we would be seeing if the reflectors were crying. If the reflectors were walking out, we would know that our play is terrible oh. <laughs> because the reflectors would be reflecting that back to us. Good so analogy. If, <laughs> yeah. So if you were a reflector, then you are constantly a product of your environment. You're basically reflecting the world around you back to everyone else mm. around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are what we call a lunar being. So you're ruled by the moon because, or and by the stars and the planets because you don't have any definition in your chart. The only things that you have defined in your chart are gates. So gates are constantly moving around for you and that is your main port of energy. So as a result of that, if you're a reflector, it's really important for you to sit with a, an entire lunar cycle before making any big decisions in your life. As the like an emotional wow. authority has to sit with an emotional wave, a reflector needs to sit for an entire month with something. If it's if it's big enough that they're worried about making the right decision, it's best for them to wait out an entire lunar cycle and let all those gates kind of work around the body, so that they know that what they're making that decision from is true to them and not wow. just an activation of the gates. This is so, yeah. so good because like sometimes you know like I like to make quick decisions and I act from my gut. And sometimes when someone's taking a while to make a decision, I'm like, God, just make this decision with you, you know, hurry up. So it's so cool to learn this because you can understand people on on a whole new level. Yeah, it's so important, I think, especially when we look at things like coaching, because we can give advice based on their authority and their strategy. So we could be saying to someone with an emotional authority, like, or even a reflector, if you're lucky enough to meet one. Uh, you need to make this decision, like what's holding you back from making this decision yes. and give them all the prompts to make it. Yes. And that could be completely wrong for them because they haven't given themselves enough time to be really sure about whether they want it or not. They're mm. going to make a decision from somewhere else in their body. So usually people like to try and let their heads make decisions and our head is not where we make decisions from. <laughs> and would reflectors, um, this could be wrong, but would reflectors be susceptible to having um regret with some of their decisions if it's made too quickly yeah any of the time any of the authorities can regret their decisions if you're not if you're not making it from the right space so absolutely like an emotional authority can regret their decision if they made it from a knee-jerk emotional reaction Mm. as opposed to like sitting through the wave and allowing it to come to their truth a sacral authority can be regretting their decisions if they try and make their decision with their head Mm. so their body says do this and then the head kicks in and goes but what if but what if but what if and then they spend a long time thinking it through and then they they make the wrong decision because they've overthought it instead of just going my gut said yes I should just go with the yes yeah so and and this is kind of like where the human design 
um, world sort of giggles at the the guruism of some of the spiritual aspects of saying, just listen to your gut. Well, not everyone has one. Not everyone yeah. has the ability to listen to their gut. So we can't give that advice to every single person. Mm. If you're a non-energy being, meaning a manifestor, a projector or a reflector, you actually don't have a connection to that gut knowing. And that doesn't mean you don't have an intuition because you could be a splenic authority, a splenic projector, which means it's intuitive but it doesn't come from your gut. It's like a voice that screams really loud and really quickly and then doesn't speak again. So it's more from like the splenic, the splenic, the splenic Mm, center is the primitive center. So it's about fight or flight, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're a splenic authority, then it's going to go, yes, do it or no danger. And then it's going to stop and it's not going to speak again. So it's like this initial, yes, I should do this. And then the head can kick in and go, no, you shouldn't do it because blah, 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 blah. Listen to that initial voice that says, yes, you should do it. Mm. Or listen to that initial voice that said, no, danger. Oh, no, you're just being silly. It's really, you should just go and then you go and it was terrible because your, <laughs> your, your fight or flight kicked in and said, don't do it, danger. And that's your intuition. So if you're yep. a splenic authority, it's another one altogether. Mm. yeah wow so so interesting (laughs) yeah and then there's another one as well that's about being self-projected and and they they need to and there's there's, well there's a couple more but self-projected we see quite a lot um whereas ego is more rare so self-projected is people that need to soundboard something off you until they can make Mm. their decision so some people really actually just need you to be holding space for them yes while they talk and talk and talk and talk and then they're like it's all good I figured it out now yeah they're like oh (laughs) Oh, thanks for that you're like I didn't do anything I just sat here and listened perfect <laughs> I have a very good friend of mine who's a splenic uh, sorry a uh, self-projected projector and she will actually message me quite frequently and say do you mind if I soundboard something off you and I literally just need to sit there and go love uh-huh, it uh-huh yeah love uh-huh. it <laughs> love it it's so good and probably a lot of us have um that in us as well like I believe that we all have the ability to solve our own problems if we're you know thinking about things and listening to our intuition and and tapping in and sometimes we do just need to verbally process to get to that so oh there's so much here like I think we need to do another um show but um I'd love to ask you what what is your main reason for doing human design like what's your message that you'd love to share with other people and what's your yeah what's I guess what's your purpose in wanting to share this with a lot of people yeah so the basics of it really is that when so everything in human design is an experiment and I I like to preface that because anything that we say to someone that um you know could be helpful we never want to place anything like you know a cut and dry this is the gospel if it's you know it has to be this way because this is in your chart we always say this is something that is suggested in your chart for you to experiment with so go and experiment with it and see if this changes your life for the better Mm. in my experience uh there has yet to be one person that i have made these suggestions to based on their chart that has come back and said that is terrible for me. That yep. did not work for me. So in my experience, it works every time, but it's still something you need to experiment with. So really the, the main re- reason why I do it is, A, it's really important that we understand why it is that we are who we are. It is really important that we know that it's okay to be different and unique and that we don't need to compare ourselves to the person yes. next to us because we're all different. Love that. And it gives us the ability to start swimming downstream with life instead of trying to condition ourselves into swimming upstream. 
Yeah. Perfect example of that is if you're a projector or a manifester trying to live in a generator world, doing these nine to five jobs, having like 10 million kids and doing all of the things and going, why can't I keep up with all of this? Mm. It's, it, it's a little bit of a permission piece to say, well, it's because you're not really built that way. And it's okay for you to look for a job that's not nine to five. That doesn't make you lazy. That means that you're working to your energy type. So yes. it's freedom. It's really about freedom. So good. And just getting to know, yeah, understand ourselves deeper, which um, once again, I think a lot of people are waking up to wanting to understand themselves deeper on a deeper level. So it's such empowering information. And I've just loved this bite-sized chunk today. (laughs) There's a lot to process, right? Like, and you said that people can study this for a lifetime and still not know, but I'd love to get you back and we can possibly go into some more detail for those interested um, at some stage. But how can people find you to get a human design chart done or work with you on another capacity how can people connect with you and find you yeah sure so um you can find me on instagram emily shine 1111 or you can look at my website which is emilyshine.com um which would probably be the easiest way to find me and yeah i just i guess i wanted to say too that the whole thing around the spiritual awakening and the spiritual journeys and especially because it's become so popular in this day and age to be in these um you know spiritual containers which is beautiful and i mm-hmm. love that the whole thing around this is that uh a lot of the time we are, are led to look at the things outside of ourselves mm-hmm. or all of the answers so if you do this and then you do this and then you do this yep. practice every day then you'll be enlightened and everything exactly. will be fixed in your life but these these two modalities that i'm really really passionate about both kinesiology and human design one of the links between that is really allowing you to know who you are yes also, because that's the true spiritual journey is knowing your own self your what's true to you so yeah I just wanted to put that in there no that's that's perfect and you know the whole uh object of this podcast is to help people understand who they are which I totally 100% agree with you is the true spiritual journey so Mm -hmm. thank you so much for your uh amazing information today and sharing all that thank you for your time on a Saturday morning ah you're welcome Um, Yeah, I've totally loved this conversation and I hope everyone else does too. But for everybody listening, I will pop Emily's details in the show notes so you can refer to that along with the uh, website that you referenced earlier to check out their chart. But, yeah, thanks so much for your time and have a beautiful weekend and I'll chat to you on another time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.